In this episode of the Project Mindfulness Podcast, we talk about yoga. Why should you do it? And where exactly do you start? Honest and open to all religions, all traditions, all ages, and all levels of experience. Radically accessible, pragmatic, and eye-opening. Simply for everyone. Welcome to the Project Mindfulness Podcast. We'll take you on a journey across the globe and talk with other meditators about their practice, the lessons they have learned, and what they want the world to know. Good day, and welcome to the Project Mindfulness Podcast. This is episode 12, and I'm Christian Neteson. Thank you for joining us. First of all, thank you to everyone who joined our community in the last weeks. We have grown to 2,000 members, and I'm happy to see there's so much good activity going on to support each other on the path of awareness. Today, I talk with Rob Gilmet, who is a yoga teacher and musician from Los Angeles. We talk about his personal journey into yoga, why yoga is important, and where to start with yoga practice. So welcome, Rob, to this episode of the podcast. Great to have you here. Oh, great to be here. Thank you so much. Awesome. So, Rob, please introduce yourself to the listeners. Who are you and uh, what do you do in life? Hi, well, hey everybody. I'm Rob Dunn. I'm based out of Long Beach, California. I teach yoga full time, and I create music and participate in sound healing events. Um, that's what I'm up to as of late. Sounds good. So, um, how and when did you stumble on yoga? Well, I started getting into yoga around 2009. It was about 2009 I started doing yoga. And at that time, I was about 20, 21 years old. I'm 29 now. Mm-hmm. And I got, yeah, I got into it um, just through some life experiences um, that were kind of difficult and challenging that really started to push me in a different direction. Coming from that place of, of uh, difficulties, how um, d- did you just attend a yoga class or how did that happen? Well, I can, I'll get a little more specific and tell you my story a little more. I, prior to that, prior to my experience with yoga, I've always done music and I've always played in bands and that would lead to gigs and attending events and parties. Mm-hmm. High school and my early adulthood looked a lot like party life and I was having a lot of fun. I thought I was really cool and uh, <laughs> I got into some trouble. And in fact, I, I ended up going to jail. I had sold ecstasy to an undercover police officer at an event. And this was a, um, this was just a kind of a mix up because I was not a, a drug dealer at the time, but right. due to some circumstances, there was someone who had given me drugs that I did not take. And I ended up passing them on to a person that I got in a lot of trouble with. And, you know, it was a major bummer. A lot of people don't know that about me, but you know, I, I don't mind sharing about it right? because it, it did change things for me. I, I was in jail for about a month. And I had, in that experience, I started reading like I was there and I just had a lot of time on my hands. So I started reading books and some of the books just got me thinking different ways. And mm-hmm. coming out of that experience, it really, it really made a shift in my mind that was like, okay, this is not the way I want my life to go. It's not the direction I want to take. So I started looking into meditation and and yoga. Mm-hmm. And my first yoga class, um, I found on Craigslist, 
actually. Um, and it was in Culver City, Los Angeles, California. Um, it was a Kundalini class in like a clubhouse of some kind of like shared housing, like uh, like condo housing or something. Yeah. And uh, a woman was putting on an eight week Kundalini yoga class. So I'm like, all right, I'll go check this out. And it was really hard. Like it was such a cool experience for me. Like she had yogi tea and, and it was a nice group of the same students that attended for the whole eight weeks. And it was really, um, really kind of changed. Like not only like how I was thinking, but how I felt in my body. And it was a very powerful experience. And then from there, I don't teach Kundalini yoga. I started going to gyms and like looking out of the yoga classes and seeing what a variety there is in yoga. So I started to gravitate more towards like vinyasa flow or variations of Hatha yoga. Yeah. That's what I teach now. There was a, a, a shift in your awareness. So to say you suddenly realized like, Whoa, the, the path of partying is definitely not what I'm going to pursue. Um, after, uh, yeah, that misunderstanding, which landed you in jail for just a short time. And, and, um, after that came meditation and yoga. And from, from that, what was the reason that you teach what you teach now? And what, what was the reason that specific yoga practice, uh, grabbed you? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The reason the yoga practice grabbed me is because it started to change how I feel and, and in, in positive ways. Um, I, I think the one that stands out for me in North Hollywood, I was living there with a girlfriend at the time and I found an actual yoga studio because like I mentioned earlier, I was going to, you know, I went to the Kundalini thing and then I went to yoga classes at the gym and they were all pretty, they were all different experiences, like the different classes I would find, mm -hmm. but nothing really grabbed me. Oh, that's, my dog says hi. <laughs> so say hi back for me. <laughs> hi, happy girl. It's okay, mama. She's a she's like a six pound. She wants you all on my teeth. Very tough girl. She spotted something. Yeah, she did. She's protecting me. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, I was looking at these different classes and having different experiences. But the one that really grabbed me was in North Hollywood at the studio called In Yoga. Mm -hmm. And they're no longer there, but it was a teacher, uh, Joe Cara. I went to his class and it was like a 90 minute level one, two flow. And I had such a profound experience there of like the, the combination of the breath synchronized movement, the, the meditative contemplative kind of qualities to the class mm -hmm. and the real physical challenge and fun that a yoga class has. And And then the Shavasana by the end, but by that point, it was like, oh my God, most amazing experience. And I came out of there like transformed in a way. And I continued attending his class. And I, I just, by that point, I was like, okay, this is something that really stood out to me. It's like, wow, like if I can create this kind of experience for other people, or yeah. if I can, if I can learn this practice um, to this degree, that would be amazing. To me, you know, so I just decided that, like, I want to be a yoga teacher and um, start out training and, and carried on from there. That's really cool that this sort of um, desire or, or passion inside you spark to also share it with others. It's like it's immediately uh, like you, you caught on fire and you were immediately uh, also 
thinking about how to spread it to others. I think that's really cool that it's sort of, yeah, it came as a combination because for, um, it seems for some people, the whole meditation and calming your mind thing is a very individual thing. Like you do it by yourself and, um, I mean, some prefer even to, you know, be completely alone, which is sort of different from the experience that um, I feel is going on when you teach yoga. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, I, I would say so, because the yoga is definitely there's a lot of community element to it. And I do practice meditation, too. Mm-hmm. And I and, you know, thinking and just like reflecting on how I've been over the past few years um, I do tend to go more, go it alone, do it myself. And even after my initial introduction to yoga, I mean, for the first couple of years, I went to a lot of classes and, um, a lot of different teachers and, you know, trying out the, the many things yoga has to offer. But at a certain point, I, I really shifted to a more of a home practice hmm. and, uh, doing my routines at home, meditation, something I do at home. Yeah. And, and I just, I feel like that's the doing the work yourself is really where you start to see it. You know, the classes are fun and the, the community is cool. Um, but having a home practice, whether it be meditation or some kind of physical mind, mindful movement, I think that can be real powerful. Nice. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a balance of the two. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so at home, when you practice sitting meditation, is there a specific practice or technique or method that you follow or, um, tradition even yeah i use um i use the app insight timer and Mm -hmm. just silent sitting meditation and as far as i know i think what i'm doing is somewhat of a mindfulness meditation i um i really like the book wherever you go there you are the work of john kabat zinn right and i like his stuff and i would read that and it kind of I've, i've already read the book three times to tell you the truth but um it really informed like how I approach meditating and just it's a lot of breath awareness and noticing sensations, noticing thoughts and just returning to the moment. So as far as I know, I I believe that's a a mindfulness meditation kind of practice. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it comes out as a form of prayer, depending on what I'm doing that day or how that goes, just asking for guidance. If it's what I need, um, you know, opening to insight or inspiration so it's, it does have like some variations, but I just kind of sit quietly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's good to do uh, from time to time, most definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder, like looking back on the point where you uh, ended up wrongly actually in, in, in jail, or at least it wasn't planned like that. You weren't a, a big time criminal, but still looking back on that and looking at where you are now, do you notice the difference? Oh, hundred, yeah, hundredfold. Like, <laughs> yeah. Pri- like it's it's such a it's a, such a profound difference that it's hard to believe that's even, you know, who I was in those days because of how what what's important to me now and where my values are at and what matters in my life is so different to what mattered ten years ago. And I'm sure a lot of people relate to that. Yeah. Um, but I talk with other friends and things about like how yoga not only changes, you know, your body and stuff, but really changes how you think and how you see things and, and what's important. And I find the more that I 
learn about myself and the more that I contemplate and reflect, um, I think it starts to shift me to be more compassionate in a lot of ways or try to be more understanding towards people because, you know, this, this existing is hard and, um, right. and be challenging for people. So to just recognize the own internal struggles and battles that, that I deal with and, and realize that it's not only me that has those sorts of experience, but everybody goes through the highs and lows and, and just depending on where you're at, um, or where anyone is at any given moment, they could be having a really great day or they can be having a really rough ride. Yeah. Like the more I learn about myself, the I want to be and how I show up to others. Well, actually, as a question, do you think it's something that you can uh, teach to someone very young? I mean, if you would have encountered it when you were younger, do you think you would like um, do it? Or did you need that change of perspective, that sort of confrontation with reality to see like, whoa, I need a step back? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get, that's a good question. And You know, it's kind of hard to say because everybody is, you know, everyone's thinking their own mind and sees things the way they see it. Yeah. And um, I think the person who, you know, I think it's good to introduce, you know, mindfulness and yoga to young people. In fact, I've done a couple classes in schools for like after school programs and stuff like that. And those have been really rewarding to just let people know that it's available. But ultimately, I think um, people, when they're ready to receive it, you know, is, is when it's going to be more profound for them because, you know, we can, we can do all the work we need to, to make it available. But I think the individual needs to want it for his or herself. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to be, that, that was the case yeah. for me. Yeah. At least. Yeah. That seems to be the sort of the, the thing I, I also keep coming back to with the community is that the people who come in and who talk about meditation and that they want to learn it you can give them the greatest lesson or you get, can give them a bad lesson but it really in the end depends a lot on their own intrinsic motivation to do it and you you can't force that and you can only as you say like give them an opportunity to practice or an opportunity to get into it but that that's the rest has to come from some from somewhere inside them. Yeah. It's also, I think, the hard hard thing sometimes when you see someone struggle or you see um, someone suffering is that, you know, <laughs> you, can't, you can't make them see what you are seeing. Um, right. Yeah. I learned that. I learned that real early on in my aspirations to be a yoga teacher as a young guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, trying to share with my family and stuff and and my friends around me and having a lot of people think that I'm just a weirdo all of a sudden into yoga and, and all this, but it's like, you know, it's because life hit me kind of, kind of hard early on, which hindsight was, you know, a blessing in disguise Yeah, because it put me into this different route that I would have never thought, you know, possible. And, um, and it's, the, it's one of those things. It's like, you see people and you might have some things that could be benefit and help them, but if they're not open to it or if they're not willing to, or maybe just not even in the, in the understanding or knowing that, that there's something different or a different way to see things, you know, we can't push it. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. And so now with, with 
the people around you that you also knew from when you were young and your your family and do, do they now uh, see the effect and the benefits is it like they they acknowledge it or is it still sort of a weird thing that you're doing yoga <laughs> uh, some you know there's i think there are some that have um that have recognized it and and um and appreciate it and see in fact my dad comes to my yoga class i teach in linwood which mm. is um south los angeles he comes three times a week to that class and that's um that's like an underserved community or I guess I, I don't know if I say underserved, but there's not a big yoga presence there. Right. There's um, no yoga studios anywhere around. So the community classes I offer there are some of the few that are available to that area. And he goes to those. Some of my friends have come out and it's kind of it's kind of a slow curve, you know, and it a lot of times it's because people are having experiences similar to me, mm-hmm. maybe maybe not specifically to jail or anything like that, but having experiences that life is asking them to change in some ways or life is showing them that the way they're living is not really working out so well. So they start looking for other, you know, other options. And inevitably I see some friends at yoga class. <laughs> some people are still doing the same thing and are content with that. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's cool. Awesome. You know, everyone's on their own path. Yeah. No, definitely. And where you are right now in your practice and, um, so to say, spiritual path, where are you actually? <laughs> is it like, um, that was more of a, a question I wanted to phrase, is like, do you, do you see progress? Do you see a journey? Um, is there somewhere you are going or is, is really anything fine at this moment? How, how does that work for you? Yeah, it's interesting to to look at it in those different ways because if it's a journey, like where was I and where am I, there are definite changes and definite progress in some ways. But at the same time, I feel like it's a balancing act that every day is, um, you know, every day is a new, every moment, you know, is a new kind of challenge or experience. Yeah. And it goes up and down. So Sometimes it feels like I've made a lot of progress and then sometimes it feels like I haven't done anything, <laughs> you know, but, yeah. but, you know, I'm sure people understand that. And, and it's just a continual moving forward. It's a continual openness to learning. And a lot of times just letting go and trusting into the process of life. So even in those moments of challenge that I feel like all that I've done has um, equated to nothing, which, you know, doesn't last very long, but sometimes I get to places like that mm. and, and it, and it feels like, you know, what am I doing? You know, like, like, yes, like, oh, where are you going? I'm like, yeah. you know, I don't know, <laughs> but, but I think just staying with it and the more time that I've been meditating and doing yoga, um, it's just that coming back, you know, that, that makes it real for me. It's, no matter what goes on, I always find myself in some form or another doing some kind of physical movement with my body, breath and mind and some form of reflection or contemplative practice, whether that is like formal seated meditation or journaling. Yeah. And, and it's more a journey of discovering myself and, um, and what that means. So I'm somewhere along the way. I don't know how far exactly I've come or where I'm going to, Yeah, but I'm just, <laughs> kind of on the ride here 
makes sense. It's uh, it's unfolding as we speak. <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. And um, so a, a little bit more about yoga. We we in the podcast we haven't talked uh, a lot yet about yoga. We talk. Uh, I talked with Greg about yoga. Um, oh, I should remember what it was. Uh, I don't remember the exact one, but it was all about compassion and it was all about generating this loving kindness for others. Um, but I mean, yoga is, is very old. It's, it's, it's a very old tradition and, and um, it has uh, strong roots in, in, in the Hindu um, religion. Is that something that you see coming back? Is it like, do you feel these roots? And if so, uh, what do you learn for them or what do you take away from those roots? Yeah, so the Hindu culture um, definitely inspires a lot about, well, where yoga comes from. Mm. And depending on where you go, like which kind of classes you attend, each teacher kind of brings from that tradition, I feel like what is relevant to who they're teaching. So a lot of my focus in the classes that I'm teaching personally, I don't include a lot of that. To be mm-hmm. honest, yeah, and I and I do have some experience, um, you know, learning about different deities, and a lot of the poses are named after, you know, some some Hindu uh, deities. Yeah, and there are some just like general spiritual concepts that are are part of many traditions that are also present in Hinduism, and some of those do come through, but my focus is always on who is in front of me, like who's coming to my class and what out of all the experience or tools I have, what am I going to use to best help this person? So if that's a breathing practice, which is uh, what I do a lot of breath centered kind of uh, dynamic and Mm -hmm. static movement. um, I do a lot more cultural like appropriation because some people might not understand or might feel it as um, a threat to their religious practice if they have one. Yeah. And I just want to keep it kind of down to earth and simple for the people that I teach. Like I mentioned, I'm in like South LA, Long Beach. So depending on who I'm working with really um, influences what type of, how much spirituality I bring to, to the practice makes sense and i've also found this that um that yoga like when you're yoga is a mindful kind of movement so you're, if you're practicing yoga it's like inherently spiritual as it is like the the focus on the breath the the introspective quality the feeling of of your your experience as a human mm-hmm. all that is inherently spiritual so i i believe that people will get it if they are if they're open to it or if they're looking for it but I don't need to necessarily talk about it all the time. Right. You know, like at least in, in the course of my class. Yeah. Kind of like, I kind of like leave it open for them to have their experience. And oftentimes people will, will share with me some things that are going on for them on a personal or internal level. And I think it's amazing, you know, when they have that experience and when they feel cool to share with, share about it. So that's kind of, that's kind of how I take that. That's what I think about that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to really look at the individual and where they are and what works for them. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I always find it as like a collaboration. Like when I go to teach a class, I have my plan, you know, and like, what do I want to focus on during the class? But then I see who's, who's at class and what do they need? And you know, what, what makes sense for them. And a lot of times between what I learn about the students or what they share with me and what I'm bringing to the class, that combination, that little interaction is what makes the class. And, um, really kind of fun way to approach it for me yeah yeah i can imagine it's um it sounds very dynamic (laughs) like a lot of um movement also in the way of approaching it and dealing with each person and what they need so why should someone get into yoga is it like there's obvious benefits i imagine for for the body you 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 train your flexibility or you improve it and um, you get a more calm state of mind but what i'm really at is why does it work for some people and might not work for others okay why should someone do yoga i would say because they want to, you know, I think that's the only reason that they should. And if we want to talk more about the specific benefits, I think, like you mentioned, you know, the physicality, you know, the, the exercise or the fitness aspect of it is one thing. But for me, I really see it as like conditioning the mind and conditioning the nervous system. And this is just like, I guess, more, more popular conversation in the yoga community, but it's, It's just understanding that that how you're the specific ways that we breathe when we're doing yoga Mm -hmm. can affect the physiology of your body and also the way your mind functions, specifically like reacting or responding to stress. We put ourselves in a different yoga pose. Yeah. And the body perceives this, okay, this is like a stressful situation. You know, we're stressing the body, we're stressing the muscles. And we're breathing in a way that communicates to the mind that I am safe. I am okay right here. I am calm. You know, that's what the breath is telling the mind. So we're training the mind to respond to stress in a better way. And I think that that translates to day-to-day life. That translates to, you know, having experiences that are stressful that might not be physical on the body might just be a mental or emotional thing, but to recognize the stressors and recognize when an individual's body goes into stress response. And what does that look like? People become stressed and they become tense, or they may not be aware that they are gripping their fist or clenching their jaw. Mm -hmm. But through practice of yoga over time, we start to be more in tune with the body. And we start to notice these signals that the body gives us. And then not only do we notice them, but we start to practice tools to help to manage those things. And if we can get ourselves out of stress response and bring us back to a more natural, relaxed state, then from that place, we can think clearly, we can act better. Um, You know, we have a better place to respond from. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. It's um, for me coming back to that point of peace usually shows me how unpeaceful I was before. As in, there's a contrast where you notice tension in your body, you notice tension in your mind, and 
sometimes the only way to find that out is to be able to release that tension somewhere or to be able to fully relax like that. So, right. It's like yeah. you don't know how much you're carrying until you let it go. Yeah, definitely. That feeling. And it's, um, it's, uh, it's something you hear or actually I hear or see very often where um, people find it hard to integrate what they're doing in a class or what they're sometimes doing outside of their own home into their own lives. Like people being very relaxed at a, a yoga class, but you know, an hour after that, they they find themselves uh, in the same old routines. And what is your way of dealing with that? Do you have certain uh, tricks or uh, things to get you in the present moment and get you out of the stress? Yeah, I, that's a great question, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's um, I think that's a really important thing to to be talking about in the mindfulness community. Um, how do we do that? You know, how like if we're if okay, we're a peaceful person at the yoga studio, but we're being an asshole at home. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then then what good is it doing? You know, um, I I totally get that. And how do we do with that? One thing I think is just to remind myself to stay with it. You know, and and I think a lot of the, a lot of the things, especially people who go to yoga, I think there's a, a tendency towards wanting to do good, you know, wanting to, to better themselves, but that might translate into being hard on ourselves too. And to recognize that, you know, this is a process we're going through and to remind myself to stay with it, you know, to keep coming back when I think of specific tricks or things just to like stop right. and walking or whatever I'm doing to just stop and notice what I notice to take a mindful moment and just feel my feet on the ground, feel my breath, notice the sights and sounds around me and just kind of bring myself back. And I think that helps me to kind of recenter in moments that I need to. Yeah. If it's available, I will lay down on the floor <laughs> and do some breathing. Right. Um, I really like yoga nidra practice as a, as a way to supplement my day. So there are audios that people can use to just have a, someone guide them through a relaxation practice. And that can be really profound in shifting a person's energy field. So when I think about that sort of thing, how do we integrate the stuff that we learn and practice on the mat or on the meditation cushion or even stuff we read from books? How does that translate? And I think it's just consistency, practice, patience for oneself yeah it takes a long time it appears to me <laughs> um and to stay with it and i think that's what it, it comes down to is to to keep coming back yeah for me meditation still especially longer sessions really remind me of going on to vacation like you fly somewhere else and you have this amazing place like italy or whatever and and you see all these amazing things you're even in a totally different mindset day two into the vacation. Then you come back from vacation after, I don't know, two weeks. And <laughs> it's even with a retreat like that. And you're back two days and boom, <laughs> your old habits kick in and it, it feels so far away. And it can be like that with meditation sometimes too. Yeah, I agree with you there. So it, it's, as you said, these stops in between, those are very important and they really help. 
and uh, it's finding these, I don't know, for me, it's really finding these pauses or silences in between moments is that instead of me being annoyed with waiting for something, I actually realize like, wait, wait, but the waiting time is actually the perfect moment to, you know, become aware of my breath or feel my body. Uh, where first I, I thought, man, I don't want to wait. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Like at the grocery store or something. Yeah. In line. Yeah, I get, I get that too. Is, is there a certain lineage or tradition or, or, or practice in yoga that you start with? Because I imagine Kundalini might be a little bit, uh, heavy. Yeah. It's <laughs> intense. That's though. Yeah. I, I know that. Um, I like, I personally like the Desika Char Krishnamacharya lineage. He wrote a book called the heart of yoga, or there's a book of his work, the heart of yoga. And it's very mm-hmm. simple. It's very breath focused. And I would encourage people to start there. I, I, that's a good point. I'm glad you asked that question because sometimes people will go to yoga and like, Oh yeah, I've been doing yoga for years or, or whatever. And they've been going to yoga at 24 hour fitness, you know, at the gym and not to knock anyone who's <laughs> teaching that 24 hour fitness, because you know, I'm not trying to put anybody down, but what I, my experience mm-hmm when I've gone to yoga at gym classes is that it's more an emphasis on getting the poses or the, the physical postures or getting a workout and the emphasis on the breath or the way that we focus our mind is not there. And I think that really can take away from someone's experience and not really give us, not really give due justice to what yoga could be, you know? So, Right. So finding a teacher that does emphasize breathing and that does speak your language, you know, someone that speaks to you in a way that, that, that you get, I think is really important. So people out there that are thinking like, you know what, yeah. I want to try yoga or, you know, I'm interested in, in pursuing this to give a couple of different teachers a shot and to see who speaks to you. It's so interesting. A lot of times those kinds of things just work themselves out. You know, like when you're, when you're sincere and you're ready to go learn yoga and you go to a class with that yeah. kind of energy behind you, the teachers that, you know, we pick up on that kind of stuff and it really brings an interesting energy to the room. So I think if you're excited about it and you're really wanting to learn, then you're going to get what you're looking for. And it may take a couple of different classes and a couple of different experiences to find that. But to stay with it, to be patient with yourself and to be open. I think those are key. Nice. That's a, that's a very good advice for anyone looking into yoga because there's always the, the gray zone of looking into something but not yet ready to commit to it or even to go outside your door and go to the local uh, yoga studio. There's like this gray zone I think a lot of people spend some time in where you know, this, this advice from you could be a, a gentle push into the right direction. <laughs> and that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so if, if people like, um, enjoy what you are talking about, how, how can they get into contact with you? Yeah, I have uh, my website, probably number one, robdonyoga.com. Mm. My middle name is Donald. So it's R-O-B-D-O-N. Rob Don Yoga, and then they find me on Instagram, or I also have videos on YouTube as well, all under the heading of Rob mm-hmm. Don Yoga. Awesome. Um, well, 
thanks a lot for joining me for this uh, podcast. It was great talking to you. And is there any last uh, sort of advice you would like to give to our listeners? Might be anything, really. It might even be a message. <laughs> Just whatever is on your mind or heart. Yeah, I think what I want to say to you guys is just remember to be kind. Um, being kind to to ourselves is really important. Taking that time to reflect and then translating that out into the world and the real people that we come into contact with. If you'd like to know more about Rob, make sure to check out his website mentioned in the description. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed this talk. And thank you for listening and have a great day.